In a February 2021 report, Morgan Stanley's global head of M&A, Rob Kindler, said all the elements are there for an active M&A market in 2021, from corporations looking for scale and growth to private equity firms and SPACs looking to invest capital. Just what exactly is driving M&A activities, particularly in Asia, and what is the role of the CFO is the object of our discussion for today. So with us today is William Fu, Chief Financial Officer at Everice. William, welcome to Podcasts for Future CFO. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with a very basic question. What is Everise? So Everise is a global customer experience company headquartered out of Singapore. Globally, we have about 12 to 13,000 champions involved in various activities such as what we call CX, PX, and DX. CX is customer experience, DX is digital experience, and PX is product experience. Geographically, we are located in the United States, Philippines, Guatemala, Malaysia, and Japan. Why do organizations undertake M&A? Well, I think M&A, as many companies have found out over the years, is a very quick and efficient way of obtaining scale. Right? Trying to grow organically is all good, but if you want to try to do that, it just takes too long sometimes. And scaling up quickly, I think, is in a sense a very fast way for a company to increase its valuation. Increasing scale and getting economies of scale, taking advantage of economies of scale is very important. M&A helps companies do that. It also helps companies acquire skills, competencies, customers, locations and whatnot very efficiently without the risk of trying to greenfield it yourself. So I think these are the two key things that companies tend to look at, you know, as they embark on their M&A journey. Have the priorities from M&A changed before and during COVID? From my perspective, I would say, you know, pre-COVID, companies were looking at acquiring targets that were fitting into their inorganic strategy. That continues to be the case. But certainly from either a strategic investor or as a financial investor, like a private equity, you know, one of the requirements pre-COVID was how sustainable this business is. Is it recession-proof, for example? Recession-proof was a very rapid thing. And now, post-COVID, I think recession-proof is being mentioned, but more importantly, it's also COVID-proof, right? In a sense, it's being able to just, you know, bear going through the thunderstorms of an event like a COVID, which is once in a blue moon, but still, uh, nevertheless, right now, you know, can never think that it will not happen again, right? So I think companies are increasingly looking at that and seeing what companies can can be sustainable either in a recession or in you know blue swan event like COVID. And so I think that is one key thing that has changed. I think the other thing that has changed, if I look at pre-COVID versus post-COVID, is uh, M&A execution. The good old days of physical meetings, doing things over a handshake, you know, looking them in the eye and asking them if you want to do a tea or not. I mean, those have all but gone, right? Now it's all on Zoom. You can't look them in the eye on Zoom. Or at least the impact is not as great. I, I don't so, think you so even want to shake hands with anybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> no more shaking hands, only pumping fists, right? But I think that, uh, in a sense, has radically changed the way M&A is being executed. I still remember when COVID first hit, many companies kind of put a stop to their M&A because they're saying, we can't do this, we can't travel, if we can't travel, I can't do a deal. But of course, you know, human beings being human beings always tend to adapt, right? We can't stop doing M&A for an extended period of time. Things have to go on and we have to adapt. So I think right now in the current environment, we've lived with not being able to meet and do everything virtual. So I think that is in a key change in the way we execute deals. In addition to that fact that we've adopted to this, I mean, I was going to ask you, for everything, every challenge that we face, there's always a silver lining. What has changed for the good uh, with COVID-19? It must have, must have gotten something out of this. 
<laughs> there is. I think for the all companies that have done well during COVID have really shown true. And, and that's why you see, I, I think I was reading a, uh, an article. Even in 2020, right, you would expect the volume of MA deals to have dipped significantly. It didn't. I think it was like, I, I read an article that um, a research company said it only dipped by 5%. So, which was surprising. But it also shows that even in the midst of COVID, despite the challenges that companies face, despite the challenges of executing a deal, companies are still willing to buy. And in fact, you can be more valued because of COVID that you're able to do even better. A lot of companies, I feel during COVID, they're forced to digitize themselves. So I think a lot of companies pre-COVID could have a digital strategy, which will take me away three years or mm-hmm. two to three years to execute. But with COVID, it's just shrunk to six months to nine months, right? And I think a lot of companies, because of that, they're being forced to do that and which really, really helps them, right? Because from a productivity efficiency standpoint, many companies become a lot more efficient and productive during COVID. That has helped companies as well to go on their digital strategy. I think the other thing that has really come to the forefront, not necessarily due to COVID, but I think enhanced because of COVID, is things like ESG, which is a really a buzzword right now. And even if you don't really have an ESG reporting or things like that, but just having an aspect of monitoring your ESG matrix, I think though that uh, has helped companies, even as investors who are looking at companies who have done uh, ESG or at least focus some aspects of ESG. So I think that for the overall good of, of the world, it has, has been a good thing. Yeah, that's true. Started to see a lot more discussions around ESG lately. Used to be it was just more like a cosmetic thing. Yes, something to exactly. have a checklist. Oh yeah, we're doing <laughs> exactly. this. ESG, diversity, you know, these are things that are not just buzzwords, right? These are mm-hmm. things that companies, if you're an investor and, and you're looking at companies, this help you to make that decision because you want to deploy funds to companies that are doing good, that, you know, have diversification, whether in their boards or in their company employee profile. I think these are all good things. Who should lead in an M&A process and what is the role of the CFO in in M&As? Yeah, different companies structure themselves differently. Sometimes they have a dedicated M&A team, call it a corporate development, corporate strategy team, or sometimes that's part of the CFO's office or indirectly the CEO's office. I think, to be honest, it really doesn't matter how the structure is, is being done, but I guess from a CFO's perspective, what should the CFO be looking out for? I think those things don't really change, right? First of all, obviously, the, the financial aspect, making sure the, the you know when we do financial due diligence, for example, the CFO typically leads that, that work stream. Quality of earnings, if we are looking to acquire a company, the quality of earnings is a, you know, highly, I would say, the most important aspect of any acquisition. Making sure that whatever numbers that are being shown are real and sustainable. I think that's the, the core part of what the QOE is all about. The other aspects, I think equally important is if you're a strategic investor, is synergy. How can you quantify the synergy? And I think that part is a little bit more difficult and can only be done by the CFO, I would say, in many cases, because you, you Will have the helicopter view of how managing companies sinking together, combining together, and what potential cost and revenue synergies there could be as the companies merge. And then, obviously, the last aspect is valuation. Now, the CFO is a key partner to the CEO in terms of determining value, whether you're on the buy side or sell side, it really doesn't matter because ultimately you need to have a view of what is value, what is good value, and how can you defend that value to anyone. I think those are the key aspects of the CFO. For a CFO being part of this M&A, right, whether leading it or just, again, being part of the team, what qualities, experiences, or attitudes will be important to make sure that the, that CFO is effective in that role? M&A is ultimately, is, you know, they are a team, 
CFO A needs to work in the team. You have various stakeholders that you need to bring on board, whether it's the CEO, whether it's the COO, whether it's the board, whether it's the investment committee. I think these are all key stakeholders that you need to work together with to achieve a successful outcome from an MA perspective. I would say any CFO needs to have at least some form of MA experience. I've seen, if you talk about 10, 15, 20 years ago, CFOs, they are pro- probably more accounting focused, but not so much MA focused. I think the landscape of a CFO has changed now radically. And if you can't be a good CFO if you don't know how to do a deal, I think it has almost come down to that perspective. I encourage all aspiring CFOs to ensure that as they develop their careers, to ensure that they at least have some exposure to MA, whether it's from a financial due diligence standpoint or whether it is participating in deals and just learning from you know how people negotiate deals, how people structure deals. And lastly, brush up on your legal aspects. I think that is a very often looked aspect uh, to MA. How do you look at documentation? Your, your SPA, SHA, how should you negotiate? Very often, I think people tend to let the lawyers deal with that. But I think the CFO needs to come in because you know exactly what you need to get out of from a documentation perspective. So I think that skill is, is very invaluable. To sum it up, I think key thing is as you ex- acquire skills and experience, develop as much, be exposed to as much as possible because that's the, the key learning that will help any CFO uh, ultimately. It sounds even more challenging now. We've already had the CFO become sort of like tech savvy, now doing a bit of CIO job. <laughs> then we've started to have the CFO also think about the digital part of this, the marketing, the, the data side of it. Now you're saying even legal. What's next? HR as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in CFO, I really, and I truly believe this, right? Not because I'm a CFO, but I truly believe the CFO in any organization is the one that is expected to know everything. Whether you know everything is one thing, but you're expected to know. It is by far the organization that has a kind of good overview over every other organization. Uh, a CEO focuses typically on ops. HR really just HR, right? I hope I'm not offending anyone here, but, you know, simplistically, right? And I think the CFO, because of the wide-ranging helicopter approach in most organizations, the CFO has a touch point to every department. And I think that really helps the CFO. But of course, it also means that more expectations are on the CFO to ensure things are being done. Wonder if the CFO actually still sleeps. <laughs> 24 by 7. <laughs> That's why it's important to have a team. What can we learn, if any, from 2020 as it relates both to MA and more important to the CFO? I think for the all we know the world is not static, right? Doing MA is not a static process. It's extremely dynamic, right? No one foresaw COVID coming. No one could have anticipated that. But life goes on, deals have to go on. I think 2020, even coming to 2021, is these are called watershed years, right? These are hugely important in shaping the world for the next three years, right? COVID has dramatically changed everything. So I think it's important as we do deals that we ask the right questions, right? That fundamentally hasn't changed. Companies may have changed, but asking the right questions haven't. What do we mean by that, right? In, in COVID, as we all know, there are many companies that have not done as well, but equally, there are companies that have done extremely well because of COVID. And you see a lot of these companies, especially in the healthcare and tech space, coming on board to market with high valuations, etc., and, and talking about how they've grown during the COVID phase. And I, one of the things that we all should know is whether or not, as we assess these companies, is whether or not these are sustainable. A lot of companies may be getting a one-time bump, right, because of COVID. On the flip side, there are also many companies that have suffered because of COVID. But the question is, many of these companies fundamentally are, are, are great. And so while they may have temporarily dipped during COVID, the expectation is that this will continue to grow post-COVID and participate 
in there. So it's important to not just look at where they are now, but where it could be three to five years from now, right? I mean, there's a joke that in the space where you talk about EBITDA being EBITDA. So it's EBITDA before before COVID, right? So a lot of people are saying, look, uh, we, can, you know, we need to add back all these COVID losses. And, and to a certain extent, it is true because some of these costs could very well be one time, right? And I think as we look at companies, that needs to be also something that we need to focus on. What is your advice to other CFOs, both on the buying and the selling side of their M&A journey? But one thing I've learned on both sell side and buy side is focusing on deal velocity. Is that, that is a very tangible aspect of deal making. Getting things done quickly, moving things along. Deal velocity, deal momentum are very, very often overlooked. And the way to get the velocity and momentum going is to ensure you're prepared. Whether you're a buy side, you know, you're prepared to execute and purchase, or whether from a sell side, you're prepared to answer questions from buyers. You have to get prepared because the last thing anyone wants is to have a static process mm-hmm. where things are just too slow. And one thing is not just being slow, but being slow kills the deal in my opinion because you need velocity to move things along you need to get excited and once that excitement goes away then it is very hard right to, to get a deal moving because then even people have negative perceptions about the company and vice versa so I think that aspect is critically overlooked in my opinion so my suggestion to any CFO who is embarking on an M&A journey is be prepared because when you start you make sure that everything goes fast in order to get yourself in the best position to conclude an M&A deal I think that thing is something that needs to be really looked at William thank you for joining me on Podcast for Future CFO thank you Alan it's been a pleasure that was William Fu, Chief Financial Officer Everise on the role of CFOs in mergers and acquisitions post-COVID-19 you are listening in to Podcast for Future CFO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcast for Future CFO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcast for Future CFO. Bye for now.